Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that is definitely careless, not deliberate. I'm Tin and Duyeb, and this week, as Prime Minister and grim reboot of Mr. Rush from the Mr. Men, Rishi Sunak, got fined for not wearing his seatbelt, of course he thought it wasn't needed, as he's always surrounded by massive airbags. Who hasn't taken the piss at work, right? I mean, every job has its perks, and I know I definitely took advantage of pinching all the game demos when I worked at Electronics Boutique, or secretly hiding the clothes I knew people would hate when I bought them uh, with staff discount for their Christmas presents. That was when I worked at Next, or uh, when I used my five-minute break at Timberland to walk down the road where my friend was a barman, neck two free tequila shots and a mint, and then go back with the energy to deal with the worst customers I've ever met. That we've all done it, right? So it makes total sense that Chairman of of the Conservative Party and man who takes all his style tips from evil scientist Nadim Sahawi would think when he was Chancellor, may as well use my direct hotline to HMRC to skip paying any tax on £27 million of profit, right? Well, you know, you're there anyway, so two birds with one large stone, but not one that has any morals written on it. It's the same as if Sahawi worked as a barrister, which he wouldn't do because he's a massive fucking snob, but if he did and he pocketed packets of those waffles before he left for the day, and then also emptied the till into his pockets and insisted all the other staff had to pay back for the missing amounts and anyone who accused him of wrongdoing would be sued. I mean, it might not show the public that your party should be anywhere near government in terms of finance, responsibility or honesty, but what it does show is that the Conservatives are efficient. I mean, in criminality mainly, but still, who was it that said British workers are the most idle? Oh yeah, also some of the worst Tories. But you just have to look at someone like Zahawi, who is single-handedly managing to neglect the nation's finances as Chancellor, which takes quite some effort, all the while fixing his own at the same time and being lobbied by an oil magnate, and you think, well, that's three jobs at once, so you definitely can't say he's lazy. And didn't the government promise to cut taxes? Well, yes, exactly. Sure, I mean, not yours, but they didn't specify whose, and so it still counts. Of course, Zahawi is ever the humble man, which is why he took a job from former Prime Minister and 58-year-old uncared-for yeast starter Boris Johnson just to sort his own finances out before then turning his back on Johnson and saying he should resign, before then supporting him to run as leader again and then pretending that he didn't. And that's why now it has emerged that Zahawi has definitely swindled himself from some dodgy deal with HMRC for his offshore tax avoidance. He's insisted it was not deliberate, but just carelessness that meant he took 27 million in investments from YouGov and popped them on a 
a Caribbean island instead of helping hospitals. Yeah, of course it was carelessness. And actually, now that he said that, we all know that a man who held the most important financially responsible job in the country doesn't have a fucking clue how money works, and that makes us all feel much better. I hope that he seeks some sort of help, though, as being that careless really suggests that Zahawi may have other issues. I mean, I've knocked over a glass of water or not paid attention and walked into someone, but I've never been so careless that I hired very expensive accountants to help me avoid millions in tax payments before then paying lawyers to say anyone who'd said I'd done what I actually did would get sued before then taking a job to help me escape a prison sentence. I mean, crikey, imagine what chaos he could manage with, I don't know, a misplaced skateboard. It's very lucky Nadim Zahawi isn't anywhere near a precariously stacked pile of books or there's every chance he'd bump into them causing a chain of events culminating in a nuclear war against Azerbaijan or every fourth person in the UK being owned by Shell Oil. Last year, former tennis player Boris Becker was sentenced to 2.5 years in prison for tax avoidance of £1.4 million, which he stupidly did while not being in the highest office of financial responsibility and just sort of commentating on tennis. Silly man should have gone for an area where there's absolutely no skill. But what would be much worse, of course, for similarly goatee Zahawi is that he will have to deal with the Prime Minister's ethics advisor very half-heartedly looking at his tax records and then probably saying that I guess he'll have a fully paid week off to think about what he's done. That's a real punishment, and one that people who get threatened with sanctions for making an error on universal credit, or people who accidentally miscalculate and owe three quid on tax and have fined thousands, one that they will be reassured to know that here in Britain, justice does prevail. Not in Parliament, or even in the police, but you know, somewhere, like probably every few months in a small claims court or something. Look, I'm sure Nadim Zahawi understands the errors of his ways and would absolutely leave the Conservatives and his job as party chairman or indeed as an MP, but it's likely that party chairman Nadim Zahawi won't accept his resignation and so he has no choice. And what with the war in Ukraine, the NHS crisis and something else that's completely unrelated to this very specific breach of the law, like, I don't know, Beyonce doing a show in Dubai, the world doesn't need more instability caused by one of the people causing instability being held accountable for instability. Will he have resigned by the time you hear this? I mean, it is hard to say, but I do know with all this pressure on him, Zahawi will be keen to close the stable door before the horse has bolted, which is mainly to keep all the heat in that the taxpayers have kindly covered. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has said that integrity and accountability are really important to him, and there are questions about Zahawi that need answering. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if Zahawi was suddenly out of nowhere to show that he had either of those things, integrity or accountability, then he wouldn't really be suitable for party chair, as it would be like getting a girl guide to do HR for the Mafia. That's why the Prime Minister's independent advisor, Sir Laurie Magnus, will be investigating. And as a former investment banker of the kind that probably helped loads of funds find their way on Caribbean cruises, I'm sure he'll be very, very independent about it. I'm not saying I don't believe the Prime Minister, but he didn't seem to ask those questions when getting married to a tax-avoiding non-dom billionaire, so I'm not entirely sure he's going to bother when it's one of his ministers. According to figures put out by the Enough is Enough campaign this week, £18.5 billion is lost in tax every year through avoidance schemes, £3.2 billion of which is avoided yearly by people like Missy Sunak. So you'd think if the PM was genuinely concerned, he might push through legislation to stop this, but then he'd have to find new ways to insist selling off the NHS was necessary, and it'd be really tricky otherwise than pretending unknown had been infested by moths or there wasn't space for it anymore and you know he's having a clear out and you should only keep things that bring you joy. Last week the Prime Minister didn't even bother wearing a seatbelt while filming a video as he was driven around in his official car. Sadly it wasn't a public safety infomercial or at least it would have had the satisfying ending of having Sunak's stilted overly intonated toss halted by an emergency brake, the sound of glass smashing and then a really haunting animation that will stay with you for the rest of your life. 
It might be a minor crime as crimes go, but, you know, it symbolises a lot. The Prime Minister doesn't wear seatbelts because that would be some sort of modicum of responsibility. When we all know if he was to fly through a windscreen and into oncoming traffic, he'd use his last breaths to insist that gravity was a global problem, but he and his government would halve it over the next year. Maybe it's because he's so rarely in a car that Sunak struggled with knowing how to be in one. He's taken an RAF jet three times in the last two weeks to do domestic flights to places where he could have easily got the train, but the Prime Minister defended himself by saying it was necessary to make him as effective as possible. I suppose by wasting money and causing more pollution, that is, like Zahawi, achieving two of his goals at once. If flying is genuinely the best use of the Prime Minister's time, couldn't we just stick him on a satellite orbiting the Earth 24-7 and hopefully he'll actually manage to get something of use done? Lancashire Police issued Sunak with a fixed penalty notice fine, which means that he broke the law both as Chancellor with Partygate and as Prime Minister, and I suppose it's good that finally the criminal population are being represented properly in Parliament. For 300 years, no Prime Minister has ever been found guilty of breaking the law, and two have been in the last nine months, which isn't, I think, to say that previous Prime Ministers weren't crooks, it's just that they were smarter than the two fucking idiots Sunak and Johnson who managed to get caught. Do I want corrupt criminals in charge of the country? No, of course not. Would I at least prefer it a bit if they were clever criminals and proved they were wily enough to get away with it? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. And then at least we could say, well, they're arseholes, but they are very clever arseholes. But as it is, we just have to look at the rest of the world and say, yes, we're sorry, but we're run by the most careless, stupid fucking idiots out there. And they aren't even nice or good at drawing as a redeeming quality. At least Home Secretary and woman who, if she stood still for 10 minutes, would be hoiked up onto a medieval church to ward off demons, Suella Braverman, she's just enabled criminals rather than, you know, doing the crimes herself. A large number of children seeking asylum have been kidnapped by trafficking gangs from a home office-run hotel in Brighton. A truly, truly grim story, but I suppose from Braverman's point of view, it will reduce trafficking from across the channel as she's just made it easier for them to do it from the UK. And nothing's going to put people coming over to seek refuge like her making it even more dangerous than those kids staying in a war zone. The Home Office have said it's not true that the kids were targeted in the hotel because they can go in and out of it as they please. Oh, I see. So this is actually an issue for whichever department tackles crime. Sorry, who is that? The Home Office? Oh, I see. The Home Office are also hoping that as part of an online safety bill, it will be illegal for anyone to post videos of small boats crossing the channel in a positive light. Which, I mean, that's going to really fuck up all those charity attempts, right? Though at least now, any imagery of refugee children managing to make it across the water can be accompanied by text saying they're on their way to be abducted thanks to Suella Braverman, which I think the Home Office would prefer lots more. This is a story that you should see across the BBC's front page of news, as was the Zahawi tax avoidance story that didn't appear until several days after everyone else had mentioned it. The BBC say it has its own fact-checking guidelines before it can post something up, but it does seem more like they've hired your aunt on Facebook to report for them on things from years ago that she's only just seen pop up on her feed and is disgusted. Though could the real reason be that the BBC chairman Richard Sharp, a man who would survive an undead attack because they'd look at his face and assume he was one of them, secured a loan of £800,000 for then Prime Minister Boris Johnson just before Sharp got the top Beeb job? Definitely one way to get the position, and if you would really like to make sure that that job interview sways your way, then maybe you should turn up your chat about working by yourself but also part of a team and then sticking nearly a million pounds on the table and looking the other way. 
The government insists Richard Sharp got the appointment correctly, and by the sounds of it and how they seem to have appointed a lot of people, I mean, he definitely did. He must have done his homework and looked at how Johnson gave away peerages too. And of course being a bit of mean, and there is going to be an investigation carried out into how Richard Sharp got the job, and of course because he's part of the BBC, I'm sure that the review panel will be completely and utterly balanced, containing one of Boris Johnson's family members as well as a top business person affiliated with the Tories and someone who writes for a right-wing paper. What did Boris Johnson, who at the time was earning over £157,000 a year, as well as getting all his other donations for gold, wallpaper, free holidays, free takeaways, book advances, private speaking fees, his expenses, using government credit cards for fancy lunches, as well as, look, and I'm just guessing here, based on what I would do, money people gave him just to fuck off and leave them alone, what on earth did Boris Johnson need with another £800,000? Then again, I suppose it probably cost a ton of money to cater for all those parties, didn't it? Sure, public funding paid for the booze, but I'm not sure you can use an official parliamentary debit card to buy baggies. Walking advert for refloated corpses and Tory MP for Ashfield, Lee Anderson, still insists that people can eat properly on 30p a day and everyone who uses food banks should learn to budget properly. And it's clear that by compiling the advice and examples from him and his party, yes, you can avoid such hardship if you just lie to the tax office or give away jobs in exchange for hard cash. I bet Boris Johnson's barely spent 30p a day on anything because he's got all that money from the BBC chair and all those government credit cards. I'm sure we'll find out what that £800,000 was for one day, just probably not, you know, in a BBC documentary. It's possible, of course, that Richard Sharp didn't loan Boris Johnson that money deliberately, but it was a careless mistake, and he actually meant to give him 80p for the vending machine, but cocked up, and anyway, he's now in charge of overseeing the broadcaster's finances, so just chill, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. While the BBC aren't reporting corruption, it also seems MI5 aren't investigating it, as a Tory party whistleblower revealed that the security service repeatedly refused to investigate evidence that a Russian spy was trying to influence Conservative politicians. I suppose maybe it wasn't worth MI5's while when it'd be a lot quicker to just look online and see when Boris Johnson was last at a Lebedev party. Look right, the country's in financial difficulty, and maybe, just maybe, extra Russian funding could have really helped us out, so those Conservatives were just being considerate. Much like maybe Zahawi putting his funds offshore is just to give a boost to the British financial industry and legal industry that paid lots to help him do it. Isn't that the real levelling up? Someone has to help these already wealthy sectors, otherwise who will, you know, apart from all the money they already have? The latest allocation of levelling up funding has given more to the richer southeast of England than the northeast, which is in greater need. Tory areas are getting more than areas with politicians from other parties, and Rishi Sunak's own constituency of Richmond in North Yorkshire is getting a whopping £19 million, or two-thirds of a Zahawi dodge, out of the overall £2.1 billion package. But isn't this necessary money to cope with how the Conservatives needlessly piss it away? I mean, sure, other areas do need more funding, but if they haven't got their own Tory MPs spending it all on photo shoots, hosting arm dealers, heating stables and having to pay legal costs, then perhaps their overall outgoings are much smaller too. I mean, I can't say for sure as I don't understand finance, but based on that, I think it should mean I get a go at being Chancellor any day now. I've always joked that the government, when they say levelling up, they meant it in computer games terms, as in, you know, everything gets consistently harder with a new boss that's much worse and even trickier to defeat than the last. But actually, I'm starting to think they do mean levelling up in a positive way, as in taking something that was useless and empowering it. You know, in another time or parallel dimension, Nadim Zahawi is using his skills to simply catfish people online or sell stolen watches down the market. But under this Conservative government, here he is dodging prison with heated horses and several proper responsible jobs that he can't do. Our Prime Minister can't even do up his own seatbelt, and yet he is Prime Minister. Each and every one of the Cabinet seems to either be involved in corruption, dangerously neglectful activity and deceit, and yet they'll be in those jobs for at least another year without any fear of losing them, when they'd have been fired anywhere else in any other workplace. 
They are careless people all levelled up. And so now, unfortunately, they're being careless with the entire country. If we just made sure they'd got nowhere near power and left them alone, the entire Conservative Party would probably have got itself stuck in a fire exit or poisoned themselves with some out-of-date rice. I really can't believe how careless we've all been. In other news, Education Secretary Gillian Keegan, who always looks like someone tried to make a low-budget parody version of Borgen, told the National Education Union that teachers don't have to go on strike to get attention, even though she absolutely didn't pay them any attention until they said they'd do exactly that. Fair play to Keegan, though, as usually, ministers don't seem to have any understanding of the sectors they're in charge of, but with that statement, Keegan sounds exactly like a shit supply teacher who lost the class in the first five minutes of talking to them and will never, ever get them back. The National Education Union received the biggest ballot results since thresholds came in and there will be three national strike days with more regional ones too. Kevin Courtney, who's Joint General Secretary, said there comes a day when it's important to stand up for yourself, which is classic teacher as that is a brilliant lesson to teach kids. The government insists head teachers keep as many schools open as possible, but I think nationwide strikes will teach ministers that unless they actually negotiate, this will keep happening. Then again, I mean, they've not been one to learn from, well, anything. Rail Minister, most named like a hobbit, Hugh Merriman, said that RMT strikes now cost the UK economy over £1 billion, or three times the Harvey offshore investments, and that it would have been cheaper to settle the disputes months ago. Then again, nothing shows the government's support for overpaid CEOs of private rail companies quite like wasting millions and loads of unnecessary delays. Leader of the opposition and SpongeBob Squareface, Keir Starmer, travelled with Shadow Chancellor and Roald Dahlville and Rachel Reeves to Davos for the World Economic Forum, where loads of billionaires all fly in to spend a week discussing how best to make it look like they're doing anything other than staying rich. Starmer and Reeves said they were going to show that the UK is open for business to global investors, but to be honest, I'm not sure they'll care as they own most of it already. And lastly, King Charles, with his face like a skin mould of a dinosaur's footprint, says everyone should be encouraged to spend a day volunteering in their local area for the coronation, while he, you know, swans about in a gold carriage. Great. Charles, does it count if I volunteer to tell the palace to go fuck themselves? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
What's your purple bruds? Uh, I hope you're hearing this from somewhere warm as, wow, it is colder out there today than the soul of the Home Secretary. No, I won't specify which one because basically it's just part of the job, isn't it? Like when someone takes the job, they have to pledge to lose theirs. I don't think the old one gets theirs back. It's just part of the position. Um, yeah, it's proper nippy outside, uh, which is a phrase I always think must have come from when it's so cold that nipples become certified weapons. Mine, definitely dangerous uh, today. There's an image. Lovely image for you there. Ah, the joys of audio. Um, I have to record this week's podcast early in the day again, as this evening our energy provider has a kind of, hey, why don't you turn off all your electricity for a uh, fun points-earning game so no one questions why David Cameron took away all that investment in green energy years ago. Though it's not what it's called. That wouldn't be as catchy. But, you know, still, I'm going to partake, um, not least because then I might earn a whole 20p off our energy bill and instead I can use it to go towards buying a single green pea or something. I think that's how much... It costs now. Ugh. Um, I went to see my nan last week. My nan is 97 and currently embroiled in the hell that is the underfunded social care system. Um, she, uh, just just before Christmas, had a fall and hurt her back, meaning that she now needs even more care than she had before. But her local council won't put her in a care home until it's proven that the system of not having enough carers uh, a day in her own home doesn't work, um, meaning that it's just like, there's just hours where there's no one there to help her so she can't eat or go to the loo. It's, it's really grim to sort of do scientific experiments on people like that just sort of trying again and again to see if something that keeps failing stops failing all of a sudden before they try something else um but despite all that despite um not being a very fun situation she's still super switched on and uh, when i saw her the other day she spent ages telling me about remembering flashes of going on a May Day protest age two so that would have been 1927 um and that was when her dad was a communist party member and all the kids got to sit in the back of the van as everyone else marched alongside them sounds amazing i wish i could have sat in a van I'd just like to do that now as an adult. Um, and she also told me about going on all the young pioneers holiday camps uh, as a kid and how fun they were. And then one year, her school made her go to a different holiday camp in Bournemouth and it was so rubbish that she and her mate got all their pocket money together and bunked off to the beach for a day um, instead, which is like aged 11. Hardcore. Legendary, legendary tales and just very fun to hear. And also really disheartening to know that despite all that political activity all those years ago, we're still now in a situation where councils have to work out whether it's worth paying any money to make elderly people not have the worst lives. Um, but I suppose if they don't save cash, then how will there be enough to cover up Zahawi making careless mistakes? So I guess that is more important. Um, I keep thinking Zahawi is too arrogant to go, um, but then I remember I'm releasing this podcast, uh, what it be tomorrow by the time you hear this, it would be today for you, you know what I mean. Um, so I'm guessing he's definitely going to go just in time to make this whole episode irrelevant as quickly as possible. That is, I think that's the rule, right? That's the rule, how it works. Sorry, lots of waffle there. What I meant to say is this is a quick ep uh, because I thought I had a killer interview lined up about tax avoidance um, and then it all fell through very last minute. So it is just the gags. Soz, but it's entirely other people's fault. Um, Hopefully a normal sized one next week, unless you know carelessness. So in the meantime, thanks to you and you and you and you. Thanks to Christine, Connor, Loretta and James for the Kofi donations. That is very much appreciated. And if you can afford to and fancy buying me a coffee, um, you can do that at ko-fi.com forward slash bro or if you really want to join the completely unrewarding patreon.com forward slash bro um the only other thing this week is if you don't listen already i would highly recommend uh, john stewart's the problem podcast um i really enjoyed slash was terrified by this week's one on the global rise of the far right i did then look up the woman that he interviewed uh, Anne applebaum and it turns out she's actually really awful um so clearly i know nothing uh, but it was a very interesting chat while i was ignorant about it i still think what 
they talk about is very valid. Um, I'm guessing she's not as right-wing as the right-wing people she talks about, so therefore it sort of works. Um, the week before was a nuanced conversation about vaccines, which was fascinating. And basically, look, I'm just saying, I'd like Apple to give me a similar size budget for podcasts and television projects. Thanks. I'm now assuming I'll get a call from Tim Apple. That is, I mean, I know it was a Trump mistake, but it's still the funniest thing to call him. Um, I'm assuming I'll get a call from Tim Apple just five minutes after this is released, and then I'm going to have to reject it because Apple, uh, as a company, is quite exploitative. But yes, I do use an iPhone, and they'll just be crushed by my own hypocritical living standards. And um, back to square one. Ah, anyway, uh, yeah, so that's it for this week. <laughs> And that is all for this week's Partly Political Broadcast podcast. Hopefully normal-sized podcast next week. But in the meantime, do let others that might enjoy this noise know it exists. Donate to the Kofi or join the Patreon if you can afford to. And give the podcast a lovely five stars on Apple Podcasts or other homes of pod. Muchas gracias to Acast, my brother-in-law skeptic, and Cat Day. And this will be back next week when Nadim Sawahi carelessly drives a bulldozer into the Royal Mint and drives off with $400 billion in cash by accident before agreeing to pay back 40p of it. Rishi Sunak says he has full confidence in Sahawi, but will ask his independent advisor, Danny Ocean, to look into it. Bye! This week's show is sponsored by Sunak's non-existent seatbelts for when you want to drive headfirst into crashes and fully expect everyone else to believe it's their fault and they have to pay for it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.